Welcome to Who Knew. We are fans of the current series of Doctor Who, and here we discuss our likes, dislikes, and insights into the modern regeneration of the show. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher, or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. You can leave comments there, or email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram and Twitter account. Tweet at us at whonewpodcast. And find us on Facebook. Gonna hit... There we go. You can hit the OK. All right, so today's episode, we have Elisa, who is the creator of the Dr. Puppet shorts series. Short series? They're shorts, but there's a series of them, so we'll call them a shorts series. And uh, she did some of these for, or a bulk of these for the 50th, is that right? Around that time, yeah, there was kind of a whole plan there I can talk about, but I was very active in 2013, yes. Oh, 2013 feels like it's so long ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, kind of was. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, so today I have, we have uh, myself, Eugene, Josh uh, on this episode, and um, we'll just go into it. Uh, So, Alisa, can you tell us how you got introduced to Doctor Who? Yeah, I think I had kind of a typical story for a lot of Americans who didn't sadly grow up with it, which which I did not. I'm sure I had some um, fleeting encounters with Doctor Who, but it didn't stick as a, as a child. So I got into it around 2008, 2009 through uh, getting the DVDs from Netflix. And I was introduced to it through uh, nerd friends who were raving about it and said, you should watch this. So I did. So one of my first memories is like getting caught up with New Who. I watched a little classic Who, but mostly I was sticking to New Who because it was easier to get the DVDs from Netflix. And um, watching in 2008, 2009, the first episode I ever watched live, I think, was um uh like the waters of mars or maybe the planet of the The dead dead? yes yeah one of those was the first episode i ever watched live and i remember matt smith had already been announced when i got into it so i remember this anticipation for the new doctor that was kind of my my first memories and by the time like matt smith started in uh was that 2010 or 2011 and it was like exploding in popularity in the US. And I remember going to New York Comic Con that year and everyone was cosplaying as the doctor. And I was like, this is the coolest fandom and everyone's so nice. And that's kind of how I got into it. Oh man, that's awesome. I think I was around the same time when David Tennant was leaving. I was live at that point as well. It was a, it was a bittersweet time for sure because catching up was great, but then sending him off was a bummer <laughs> i i remember always knowing i was gonna lose him maybe that helped i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah so then your first doctor since it was dvds was eccleston yeah yeah i wow. mean i but but again i knew he wasn't the current doctor when i started so i always kind of think i don't my doctor is either like it's either matt smith or peter capaldi because those were the two doctors who were active when dr puck was being made honestly capaldi more than matt smith so i'm kind of feel closer to capaldi for that reason because he was the face of the show when i was the most active ah very cool um so we're here because you did those shorts and josh works in animation and i sort of work in animation with distributing josh is more of creating so um 
We were uh, turned on to these particular shorts that you did because of uh, somebody you worked with, uh, Rebecca Lando, from, uh, at the time she was oh. with Nerdist, and now she's yeah. with Tongle, and she did some stuff for producing uh, some of these 50th things to tie in with the Day of the Doctor. Yeah, I, mean, I think Rebecca was the first person who ever reached out to me um, from Nerdist, and Nerdist was kind of like <laughs> this, I think that was very instrumental in, in kind of launching Doctor Puppet because Doctor Puppet was originally like a very small thing that I was just doing on my own. It was actually originally a Tumblr because it was 2012. I, it's very dated now, but it was Tumblr, and then I made one little animation for Christmas in 2012 um, with uh, with the eleventh Doctor Puppet. He was the only puppet I had at the time, and, and then. Um, a few months later, in early 2013, Rebecca reached out from Nerdist, and there was kind of like this initiative on YouTube to um, like have uh, more uh, content creators, and there was even a little pool of money for that. So I was able to be part of the Nerdist Alliance, where there was like, here's a little money, make some some more Doctor Puppets. So that's kind of how it launched. So Rebecca was all there for that, which was nice. super awesome. And that otherwise, I probably wouldn't have done much more past 20, like 13, just posting little celebra celebratory photos to celebrate the 50th. But instead I did this whole super long series of, um, of, of, of stop motion animated Doctor Who videos, uh, five of which came out in 2013. The original plan was that the, this whole story that I was telling would um, conclude on, on the 50th in 2013, missed the mark by quite a few years because the final episode came out in 2018. <laughs> but their an attempt was made. <laughs> Yeah, I was noticing the timestamps. I'm, I'm glad you made the playlist because that was easy because I was looking at the behind the scenes and all the other videos. It's like, you, I want the, uh, the episodes. You can, you can see they get more spaced out. Five episodes came out in 2013. We were we managed to make a Christmas video every Christmas um, between 2012 and 2017. But episode seven came out in like 20, <laughs> I don't even know, 2016. <laughs> and then episode eight, no, there's no eight. Episode seven. No, there is an eight. What am I saying? Is there? Now is I there? forgot how many episodes. Uh -oh. The finale, whatever it is, the finale came out in 2018, <laughs> like two and a half years later. <laughs> but the plan is that it would have ended with the 50th. But that was all yeah. because of, yeah, of Nerdist. And I wrote this story at the beginning of 2013, this Doctor Who story that I wanted to tell. that had all the different, all, every single doctor in it. So that would have been a great way to celebrate the 50th if it had come out in time but it's okay oh it's still good still good to watch them and like revisiting them even uh i remember some of them but i i didn't finish it so it was good to finish it it, well, it felt really good to, to finish it on my end and, <laughs> oh, and i should say uh, after um in 2013 when i when i had that initiative under um nerdist to make more i did get other people involved so it's not entirely me because that would have been insane so oh, yeah. um i made all the the puppets um although i had help with some of the costumes from a really talented friend of mine but um i had two animators who did a lot of the animation and uh, i had different people storyboarding for me and then of course i had scott who did the music from the beginning he did all the music he's also every voice that you hear he's the real brit oh, wow. <laughs> so he's, <laughs> and he's a, a legit old school doctor who fan so he was also the the old school Doctor Who advisor for everything and um, and really became instru instrumental in writing the stories with me because he had such great knowledge of, of Doctor Who much more than me so I needed him and uh, 
yeah, we had such a we had such a blast. Actually, we had a little Dr. Pepper reunion a couple weeks ago, and it was the first time we had oh. all seen each other in years, and that was great. Like there were five of us that worked on Dr. Pepper got to hang out together. It was a good time. Really nice to see everybody. That is great. What was the uh, what's the longest uh, what's the longest you were in production on one of them? That finale episode. Um, today's episode eight. I'm trying to remember how many episodes there were. It's episode eight. Oh my god um it we started it in 2016 and it came out in at the end of 2018 it came out like three or four days before jody whitaker's first episode which was really important mm -hmm. that i wanted it to come out before there was another doctor <laughs> because jody whitaker isn't in it and it felt really it would have felt bad if yeah um, yeah though i did add a jody whitaker easter egg at the last minute that was so subtle that i don't think anyone's ever noticed it so <laughs> oh We'll have you look. have to look real close. It's and, uh, I, and it's in the Twelfth Planet episode. Yeah, the Twelfth Planet. That one. So that one is um, super long, as you can tell. It's like twice as long as any other. Oh, um, it's a finale. It has, <laughs> it's a finale. It, it got a little bit epic. It. Um, I mean, it was. It, it took so long to make. I mean, the the amount of animation in it and the compositing and um, I did all the compositing for that myself and all the effects wow. and I did some of the stop motion, but really the other two animators, Rachel and Aaron did most of the stop motion in there. And I mean, everyone works, they're both professional animators. Um, so everyone, everyone works. So this was a nights and weekends passion project. Oh, I know where that, I've, I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> what did you use for compositing? After Effects? Yeah, no, I don't I do not do 3D. And there's a, there's a lot of 3D in there, but it's all After Effects 3D. So it's all little, <laughs> you know, it's a right, little, right, um, right. it's a little, there's some cheats, but it starts with like a whole 3D shot, but just know that was done in After Effects. <laughs> yes, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's impressive to get all that much done, especially that uh, my question was going to be, is, was this something that was nights and weekends or was this something that you worked on full time? <laughs> what, were, what were you doing full time while you were doing all this? Yeah. Um, the majority of the time during Dr. Puppet, I've worked at a media company. So mostly as a motion graphics animator. But when Dr. Puppet started, like the first year of Dr. Puppet, I was working on a Nick Jr. show um, animating on that. And that's, uh, I sat next to Erin, who I knew, but I didn't know her super well. But it's one of those like jobs where, you know, they, they say, oh, here's your desk, here's your desk mate. And then of course we had to, you know, become friends and she'd never watched Doctor Who at all. So I got her to watch Doctor Who, like other people nice. had gotten me to watch yeah. it. So I kind of dragged her into Doctor Who. <laughs> and then we both got laid off of our job because the Nickelodeon show we were on didn't get renewed for another season. Uh, what show so was that? Both, uh, Team Umizoomi. <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah, it was a, it was a math show. It was the yeah. kind of show where like you, the character says how many peaches and then stares at the screen um but it was very it was really fun to animate it was all done in after effects and aaron and i were working on that together so when that job ended um aaron and i were both unemployed so we were actually kind of productive the couple months after we lost our jobs because we didn't have anything to do so there was a doctor puppet christmas special we made the one that came out at the end of 2013 and we made it between us losing our jobs in, at the end of October or beginning of November and Christmas. We made the whole thing in that like month and a half. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. Co coincident coincidentally, I was working at Nickelodeon when I first started oh, yeah? watching Doctor Who. <laughs> ah, love it. I'm glad you brought up Nickelodeon because these shorts reminded me of like pinwheels, stop motion things that they would import from like Europe or just non-US stuff. 
So it just it reminded me of those uh, those warm, fuzzy feelings. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I always loved stop motion and animation, and I kind of had the experience of like at some point i don't even know when like realizing that like all the animation i loved was like british and i'm just like oh crap i can't work at those studios like they're not here like <laughs> but it's weird that like stop motion and doctor who like they are both really british but they had never been combined so it felt mm. like a natural fit and then plus like christmas specials which doctor who was doing at the time and i just kind of melted them all together yeah and yeah I think that's why it took off. What was a major influence on you uh, uh, first? You know, the fact that you got into stop motion as opposed to traditional or anything like that. Well, I wouldn't even call, I would call stop motion traditional in its tone, but you know, hand-drawn, we'll just say. Uh, like when you were younger or when you transitioned into doing that, can you give us a little uh, origin yeah. story? I always just love making stuff like sculpting. I always, I always had clay, so it just was a natural fit. I mean, I liked drawing too. Although like when I got to college, I, I went to art school and I realized like, I didn't like drawing that much. So I never wanted to do it. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, drawing's hard, or I don't know. Drawing it wasn't be for hard. Me. Drawing's hard. What school? Pratt. Oh, that's a good school. It is okay. The animation program has improved since I went there. So everyone's like, oh, you went there. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about the animation. It, it's good now. Um, it was smaller when I was there. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just I just like making stuff. And I loved Waltz and Gromit. And mm -hmm. when I was really little, I really liked um, California Raisins. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was, was also Will Vinton from. Yeah, uh, but that's. Yeah, yeah from, exactly. Uh, now, like, <laughs> yeah, Adventures of uh, Mark Twain, which we talked about briefly. <laughs> yeah, I had a little uh, little run-in with yeah Will Vinton as a kid without realizing, and then kind of connected all, all that later. <laughs> that was like the one thing where I was like, oh, okay, that one was American. Yeah. <laughs> but most of it's not, um, you know, even stuff that, like I said, a lot of stuff is imported and, mm -hmm. you know, but those aren't the things you think of as a kid. Like, <laughs> no, you don't. No. Well, they don't get heavily marketed. It, I mean, I know in Canada they have like a, a, a lot of uh, animation gets sub and, and film gets sub subsid subsidized. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I don't know. I don't know about in Europe and England or anything like that. I mean, I, I think so. I'm not entirely sure, but there is more of a you know the support for it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, especially historically. So yeah. not so much here unfortunately so this better you know all the all the good indie animation uh, you know independent animation comes out of europe because they actually pay for it and mm -hmm. like channel four in england you know in the uk in the 90s was um producing a lot of really great indie animation i don't think they do that so much anymore so even that's gone away but a lot of just great independent shorts like that's mm -hmm. how i mean even like wallace and gromit i'm not entirely sure but that's might be how some of that stuff got made do you have a favorite Ooh, i mean wallace and gromit <laughs> but which one? I mean, the the original ones. I mean, the wrong trousers is probably the best. That's where everyone should start. The the original yeah. shorts from the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> What's the uh, your favorite part of because this uh, of the process of stop motion? Because there's so many facets to it. Uh, even though there's so many facets to hand drawn animation, you're still drawing it all, for mm -hmm. the most part. Whereas, do you, is that um, what you do? Do you do hand yes, drawing? Yes, yes, I do hand drawing. I'm a, at the moment, I'm a storyboard artist, but I've been uh, a director, assistant director, layout artist, animator. But, but um, and awesome. these days, storyboard artist is a combination of an of an animator, layout artist, storyboard yep. artist, editor. So yep. Um, but uh, but yes, I'm I'm drawing. But 
I, mean, I, I never said, I never watched stop motion and said, I want to do that. I've watched stop motion mm -hmm. and go like, that's crazy. And I'm amazed and I'm glad I'm not doing it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I am quite impressed by how it's based, it's, it's live action. Like you're using lighting. You don't create anything, I guess, virtually. And I don't want to mean, I don't mean that computer wise, but even with a pencil, you know, everything is, it's more close. It's closer to live action than anything else. Mm -hmm. uh, so can you talk a little bit about just all those facets? And my original yeah. question was, what's your favorite part? But, you know, so answer <laughs> but, but all that. that is. Yeah, no, but that is my favorite part. I guess for me, I, I'm very hands-on. So I love making something and some like drawing for me is, it feels like more work and where I could just make a thing. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to draw it. I can just actually make it. And I love like sourcing materials. It's so fun to go, you know, when I have to make a costume going and finding fabric, like painting, like you just get to be crafty. And, and also it's like good for like an engineer brain. You have to figure out how to make it. So I really love making the puppets and, and the props. That's been my favorite thing. And I did work a little bit professionally in stop motion in Portland very briefly. Like I didn't work at any of the, any of the big any of the big movies anyone's ever heard of, I worked on just commercial stuff. Um, um, but at the same time, Coraline was being made. So I would hear about all the rumblings at, at Coraline, but I wasn't there. I was just like, oh, okay, fine. Maybe one day, but then I know I didn't stay in Portland long enough to, to end up at Leica. But um, but that, that was the dream of mine in, in college. Um, but it, it's worked out that I, you know, I can still pursue that that love of making stuff, but I just do it um, for my own passion projects. And, you know, After Effects has been a pretty solid career option too for, you know, yeah. motion graphics. I don't, don't knock motion graphics, especially if you live in New York, because that's kind of, there's a lot of work for it. Yep. And I'm, uh, I know a few people that their main, main job. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'd have to go to LA if I wanted to really work in TV again. Yeah. Where are you located? New York. New York. <laughs> So I know a there, lot of my friends have gone to LA. Yeah. yeah. You get uh, when you come out here, you sort of get stuck here. I mean, it's not like I want to leave, but I know like there's a lot of people who I I can tell this isn't where they should be, and I just think, well, what are they going to do? <laughs> I guess like, the, the pandemic has allowed people to work. Yeah, remotely, that's the thing too. Great. The union is actually I don't know if this is pertinent for the podcast, but uh, <laughs> the, the union is trying to. There are people at the union who are trying to go more nationwide because so many people have left Los Angeles during the pandemic uh, for, you know, the obvious reasons, uh, but have still been working. And now that things are opening up, no one wants to go back to the office, but there's no you can't just outright fire people. So yeah. um, some people will probably are grandfathered in, but at some point, you know, they're things need to be stabilized. So they're trying. I, I don't know if they're literally trying to be actually uh, nationwide or some sister union in the um, in New York, so. whatever it may be. Well, there is, there are some unions in New York. And even to tie back to Dr. Puppet, the, the union rep who was at the White House is the Rachel I was just talking about, I worked on Dr. Wow. Puppet, so oh, yeah. Gosh. Yeah, that's her. <laughs> so uh, Dr. Puppet, very pro-union production, but I mean, yeah. there is was the no union there. Um, uh, I'll stop asking this stuff. For a minute, but is the union is the union there? Uh, Ayatsi? Yeah, at Titmouse. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. oh, Titmouse. Are you yeah. are you at Titmouse? No, but I know people there. So Rachel's right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so good, yeah, go Titmouse, oh. go Rachel. Yes. Okay, back to Dr. Hip. 
Well, uh, going but, along that lines of animation, have you seen the an official animated Doctor Who things? Like um, the, uh, oh boy, the one with Martha. I can't remember the name of that one. Oh, I can't remember too. Those were, pre those were, they predate Doctor Who, but they're pretty old. Yeah, those that, two, that Dreamland, one, Dreamland. Yes, Dreamland. Dreamland is the other one with uh, New Mexico and Area 51. Yep. I can't, and there were two of them. I have What's seen the one? them, it's a long time ago. You would talk about it, Eugene. There was one that they lost the footage, so they ended up. Oh, that's, like, but they had it. They, they had the audio. That is when they can't find the master for an episode. Then they break. Uh, they break it up and do. Um, yeah, they recreate. Animation. They like do the lost episodes because they've they done that yeah. for a handful of them. One just came out not that long ago. Yeah, it was a Shada, I think. That one. That one's pretty old too. But there's yeah. been recent ones. Uh, I know the Tenth Planet, the last episode, the one where Will William Hartnell regenerates, that is lost, so they had to animate the, just the last episode. Uh, and the one with Martha is Infinite Quest. <laughs> that's it, that's it. Um, the other one that I wanted to ask you about, if you know about it, is The Scream of Shalka. Do you know about that one? I've seen uh, probably a long time okay. ago. That, that's, that's okay. <laughs> that's uh, before uh, Eccleston was casted, so they had yeah. Richard E. Grant as the doctor. Yes, yes. Oh, really? Yes, yes. Yeah. And he, he became the great inte great intelligence? Is that yes. Right? Yes, he did. Very good, Josh. Yeah. You're paying attention. <laughs> yeah, see? That's, that's, the funny thing is, is I would never have been, had that good of a recall if we were actually doing a full episode of uh, our podcast. <laughs> I'm the one who's always, who, 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 uh, who never can remember the names of different things and stuff like that. I mean, he makes me look smarter, so <laughs> thank you. Until I do. Once, once I actually remember it, it doesn't leave my brain, but anyway. Well, um, there are some things that in the Doctor Puppet episodes that tie in nicely with the 50th day of the Doctor, but did you do that afterwards, or did you know a little bit about the plot? So, well, it, it's kind of a little bit of everything. I mean, I will mm. say historically, Dr. Puppet uh, has done a great job of predicting things in Doctor Who. The very, and also to tie in Richard E. Grant to this, he's just everywhere. Yes, the very is. first, the first Doctor, because he's also in Peter Capaldi's Academy Award winning film. Yeah. Like he's he's all over the place. The very first Dr. Puppet video I made, the, the first short, as I mentioned, was a standalone Christmas thing that I made totally by myself in 2012. I can't even watch it anymore because I think it's horrendous like i mean i i very much made it by myself in my apartment with a small amount of help um, but i did all the animation myself and my stop motion was super rusty at the time it, dr Hoover got so much better after that like really aaron and rachel helping kicked my butt but i made this by myself and um i wanted to make some kind of little like um, you know, Doctor Who stop motion Christmas thing. And, you know, I'm, my brain went to Rankin Bass. It's like, I'll kind of do a Doctor Who Rankin Bass pastiche because that's, you know, in America, we have that for our Christmas special. So I thought it was kind of a fun way to unite like a British Doctor Who Christmas special and an American stop motion Christmas special. So my thought was snowman, like it's gotta have a snowman in it. So I had this little story about a snowman, but it's made of tiny alien, like snowflake UFO things. And I thought that'd be really fun. And, um, but I, I gave it kind of the like Rudolph story. So it's called how the doctor puppet saved Christmas. So it's about the idea that there was like a crazy snowstorm and uh, there's New York city in it because I live in New York and the lights and I was like this is great 
and um, I released it on December 23rd and you can check that on YouTube and the Christmas special for Doctor Who that year of course was The Snowman which is about a snowman made of tiny alien UFO snowflakes and when that started and I was watching it I was like oh my god everybody's gonna think I copied this I didn't this is a coincidence <laughs> like ideas do sometimes like the universe aligns in crazy ways and I'm like there's no way people will will think I I did this on purpose and I didn't and I swear to this day is I came up with the idea in like September. There was no trailer. There were no photos of the Doctor Who Christmas special. It's a total coincidence. So that happened. And then um, other little things came along too, where they, they very much aligned. Um, the main like alignment that we did for the 50th, which is not like, you know, has nothing to do with the actual 50th. But when we realized that the finale of Dr. Puppet was never going to be done in time, we kind of um, made an effort to have an episode that would come out in November that kind of still fit the theme. So that that's the episode that's set in a bakery <laughs> with Clara. Yeah. And, and it's like a different Clara echo because by then we had that was the year of like there being different claras so i had this idea just to make another clara and that she this one works in a bakery in the 80s and uh she's baking little celebratory cakes for the 50th so that was kind of a, a fun little way to have a cake but we had other little like eerie moments on dr puppet that really echoed the show and of course in 2013 that's when peter uh, capaldi was announced as the 12th doctor but he didn't actually start yet but um when he was announced like especially me and aaron working on doctor Pup together we're constantly like analyzing peter capaldi and trying to guess what kind of doctor he would be like and aaron just like could read that man's mind and like got into his psyche and we started like trying to figure him out in 2013 2014 and um we made another christmas special in 2014 that um, started the 12th Doctor, but we started making it before his first episode premiered, or, or actually I think the week his episode premiered, because it came out like at the end of August. So we started making the episode in September and we had seen like one or two episodes with his doctor. We didn't really know what his deal was, but Aaron knew that Peter Capaldi was super into like, he was like, you know, old school. He loved vampires. He loved German expressionism. So we made a German expressionism Christmas special, like a horror Christmas special, which of course he did make a horror Christmas special. Yeah. Um, Last Christmas, not, maybe? Yeah, which I don't think it came out that year. Was it the 2015 one? Later, yeah. Uh, I can't even remember. But we still, like Aaron, she also predicted his costume. There's mm. still drawings you can find on Aaron's Tumblr where she was trying to figure out his costume. And she, <laughs> I mean, she basically drew his costume before like she she guessed it like wow. which one <laughs> the not his initial one like the punk rock one but she drew uh, that in like 2013. oh wow <laughs> because that's yeah, how no peter dresses like, that's amazing that's not that's not a that's not a costume uh that someone would predict for peter capaldi if you if you start studying that man like his personal life you might predict it that he would be like oh, a, really? a punk rock dad that's basically what aaron said like i think he's a punk rock dad that's going to be his persona and she was right it just took a little while to get there <laughs> but yeah that's <laughs> that's you know yeah so it was always fun we, we got so deep into doctor who during those years but it was it was so fun like aaron fun, and yeah. rachel and scott we were Anal over analyzing everything it was fun but it's, it's kind of a relief not to do that anymore and just enjoy the show and that it not be so yeah. such a big part of my life but 
So I think you're a little too hard on your uh, Christmas special because I enjoyed that. I think it's because the story is so I, I'm, I know what you were going for and I loved it. <laughs> uh, thank you. I'm glad I, I can't watch it, but I mean, it, it's, it's serviceable, but we got we got way better at it, especially when I had the other people who were there with me who were really pushing and elevating it because they were better animators than me. My my the one I was just talking about the um, German expressionism Peter Capaldi Christmas episode, which is it's called The Planet That Came for Christmas, and that I think is our best standalone episode. Um, that one is so fun. It's also the first one we did an Indiegogo campaign, so we raised some money, so that really helped having a little budget so we could push a little further. Scott did an amazing job with the score. The score is so good, and we spent a lot of that money on hiring um, musicians to record, so we had like some of the best um, we Scott through um, his university had access to some really really good musicians, so we had like one of the best like violinists <laughs> in the whole country. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my gosh! No, I have to I have to say that the score is really good. Yeah, the score is amazing. Scott is unbelievably talented. I'm so lucky that he was able to make such amazing music. The Doctor Puppet doesn't have a lot of dialogue in it, so the music no. is the voice of the characters. Yeah, so it's that great. really ties it together. And, and he's the narrator too. Yeah, so. <laughs> he, it's weird. When I first heard him as a narrator, I was like, "That sounds a lot like Paul McGann." I don't know if you heard that or if he tried to do that, but it, he just sounds like that. <laughs> they're, I mean, they're both northern, so yeah. maybe it's that. <laughs> and then he also did the voice of Tom Baker in that one episode. Is that right? Yeah, he. That's yeah, really one good. One little clip. I know. No, he's, he's Tom Baker. He's amazing. Um, that's the only time a, a doctor actually has a line of dialogue. And, and people, a lot of people assume I just stole the a, a piece of yeah. a, a clip of Tom Baker asking if it's you want that, jelly babies, but that is Scott. Yeah, it's that good that it, I, yeah. I thought that too. But then I looked when I w waited for the credits, yeah. I'm like, oh. Yeah, no, it's, he's just that good. I know. <laughs> So yeah, I'm glad he was able to do the music. Again, music is great. Oh, it's so good. I mean, we have this uh, original songs. I mean, for the um, the episode we did end up releasing for the 50th, which is, I, it's bad. I'm like at the point where I'm like trying to remember the episode titles and the numbers. It's episode five. Um, that's the the one that we released. So that's the one in the bakery, and uh, the, that one begins. Um, it's in the eighties, and I remember actually yeah. my original plan was that they were just it would just say like London, nineteen eighty five, and Scott said no, that's boring. Don't don't put that. He's like, why don't we just set the mood with like a radio playing eighties songs? I'm like, okay, Scott, that's brilliant. I'm like, but how am I gonna get an eighties song? He's like, don't worry about it. So he made a whole album. <laughs> he made a whole um, album. He did, yeah. You can buy it on his band camp. It's called Radio Castellan. You can still buy it. Oh it's uh, well, he made three original 80s songs. So we hear, uh, and he's also the DJ. So there's like a DJ introducing the songs. That's how the episode starts, which is brilliant because it sets the scene perfectly, much better than just a title card saying it's London in the 80s. We have Scott, the DJ, introducing um, two of his songs. And then at the end, it, it ends with another one that ties it into the 50th. So that, that one gets to play longer. And that's Scott singing and playing most of the instruments. And it's just great. And what, so if you, quick plug for him, like, what is his Bandcamp uh, screen name? scottampleford.bandcamp.com nice you spell that 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 last name that it's not jones yeah. or nothing no ampleford it's it's straightforward a-m-p-l-e-f-o-r-d ampleford right, 
yeah, and you can find links through most of the Doctor Puppet videos have some links to his uh, his Bandcamp, but wow, you can buy good. the whole Doctor Puppet soundtrack on there too, and uh, plus a few other like standalone Doctor Puppet things. And he we, he made so much original music for Doctor Puppet. And it's all original, like everything is. You know, occasionally there's like a pastiche to something, but you know he didn't rip off Murray Gold or anything. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> it's it's original stuff because it has to be and yeah. you know yeah otherwise we yeah. would have gotten flagged on youtube <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that sure. fi- and that fifth episode ends with all the doctors represented in cupcake form that was great yep. too <laughs> and rachel made those cupcakes rachel is also really wow. um, she's talented on, on many levels she did a lot of the um, the animation and she also has made miniature baked goods out of sculpey for a long time that's like one of her things so all the baked goods and episodes she made and most of them she just had already like just had them in a box so we just put them on the set and then i gave them back to her at the end but she custom made all of the the themed cupcakes for each doctor which is so cute yeah i love when things hap- happen like that like they do the one with just color palettes Mm-hmm. I, th- I can't mm-hmm. remember what that's called, but yeah, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, no, she she did such a good job. We even like came up with the flavors for them all. Like it's it was like a whole thing. We spent so much time again over analyzing everything, but in the best like nerd nerd way. And that yeah, that was our little celebration for the fiftieth as an apology for not getting the finale done in time because it would have been really great to have the finale with yeah. you know because it would have been all the doctors together that was always the plan for the doctor about finale of course it wasn't it wouldn't have been the same finale we re- released because the one we released in 2018 ended up starring the 12th doctor who did not exist in 2013 so it was not actually the original ending of doctor puppet we spent so much time making it that we had to change the ending but the original ending was super lame so it's it, yeah. we came up with a better ending over the the next few years so it was okay <laughs> And when was the last one made? It, we we released it. it. Said it was in 2018. It was like three days before Jodie Whittaker's first oh, that's episode. Right. That's right. But that. we started yeah. making it in 2016. It, I mean, 2016 honestly was a terrible year. So we just weren't in the mood, you know. And most of 2017 also honestly. So we weren't working solidly. There was some. Uh, there was some. You know, just some we breaks. needed some. We needed a break. Yeah. To to deal with reality and. Uh, and then it was nice to go back to it. <laughs> That's a lot to produce in just a few years, not uh, barely even a few. It was a lot. I wouldn't, I, you know, maybe in hindsight, I would have made the story a little bit smaller so we could have told it in, in fewer episodes. But I mean, no regrets, but I wouldn't really yeah. recommend this for most people. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, Dr. Puppet was great, but, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't our IP. So we were always in kind of a weird position with it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the BBC was always really, really kind to, to me and very supportive. Oh, that's and good. They were fully aware that we were doing this from the beginning. And I was even working with Nerdist. I was always like, this is OK, right? We're not going to get shut down. We're not going to get in trouble. Like, if we're going to put this much money and effort, I want to make sure it's OK to do. And I was always yeah. fully told it was um you know we were under we were allowed because it was under parody so it was okay and we weren't actually making enough money to make anyone care and um and we were being so kind with the characters that bbc would you know what was fully supportive of what we were doing because it wasn't it wasn't rude or anything it was nice so um everyone was always really really nice about it i mean i've I've met quite a number of people at bbc through it i went that went to a Doctor Who fan film 
panel at VidCon in 2016 with the BBC. Wow. Um, that was cool. They flew me to California. <laughs> I'd never been to California before. <laughs> they were surprised. <laughs> um, and yeah, a few other things. I did a comic book cover um, in 2018 for one of the 13th Doctors, for her first comic, one of That's the awesome. variant covers. So I did finally do some like official stuff for, yeah. for the BBC. So it was all nice, but it was still a, a lot of work to put into something that you don't own. Mm. Well, something we all love. That's why we're here. <laughs> That's why we're here. No regrets. And it, yeah. it, it, it um, opened a lot of doors for me. So it was good. pretty nice. Good. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Uh, well, it's a great little, it's a, I don't want to say little because there's so much of it, uh, like uh, isolated package of itself. And, you know, you're the only one on the planet who's done it. True. Yeah. Yeah, we did. I mean, no one else was doing that. And yeah, you know, animated doctor stop motion, especially. And, you know, it, it'd be nice. I'm, I'm not making it anymore. I don't plan to make it. Um, I'm even, I'm on the fence about doing anything with the 14th doctor if mm -hmm. that's what he is um but i probably won't i mean i might make the puppet but i don't think i'm even gonna do that because i think i need to, to move yeah move, uh, move, on. move on and it's a it's a stopping point but you know if the bbc ever wants stop motion doctor who then, then you know, they, got my e they got my email <laughs> <laughs> So what do you, uh, uh, if you weren't to do that, like what do you see yourself doing in on your nights and weekends? Well, I'm making, uh, I'm, I'm, since Dr. Puppet ended, I made two films that weren't Dr. Who related. So the one, the first one was like a, a little abstract sort of, well, I thought it was a, like an abstract art film, but it turns out I made a preschool short because I can't escape preschool. It's like little creatures dancing to music to a piece of music made by Scott. And uh, it did pretty well at children's film festivals. So oh, <laughs> once I figured out I didn't make a, an art film, I, I, I feel I figured out I could enter it in children's film festivals. And that was cool. And then I made a horror film last year with Scott. We co-wrote it together and I animated it. It's a little stop motion horror film. And Scott and I are making another horror film right now. <laughs> so nice. that's wow. what we're doing. Yeah, I really like horror films. I'm trying to branch uh, out. <laughs> I, I did watch that, some of its parts, right? That's yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's my preschool yeah. <laughs> short. <laughs> so that was that all shot outdoors? Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. yeah, it's okay. it's replacement stop motion, which is like how Jack Skellington's head was made. So that you like basically pre-animate uh, stop motion bits and you fully replace them on the set. So you're not posing a puppet; you're just pulling one thing in front of the yeah. camera and then replacing it with another. So you can animate fast, mm -hmm. supposedly. Um, so that made sense to do it so I could animate outside. But it still took like ten weekends, and it's only like three minutes long. And I. It was a learning process. It was way hurt harder than I thought. And I got bit by a tick during it and oh. got some disease and that like, <laughs> it was hard. I wouldn't, mm. I, uh, yeah, but it was fun. <laughs> I love being outside. Suffer for your art. Yeah, truly that go. one I did. Yeah. Um, but it was great to, to animate outside cause you know, that's not something you get to do very much. Yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah, no. So I, I would recommend it. I just would do it a slightly different way next time. But um, the horror maybe in Alaska I, where the light doesn't change very much. Actually, I'm good. I would like to make a follow up to it, but I want to make it at night and then artificially light oh, there it. There you go. Mm. Yeah, because <laughs> that was yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The hardest part was the fact that the sun moves. Surprise. 
Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, actually, I, the this wind was harder than uh, I didn't mm. anticipate the wind being a problem. It just moves the background too much, and and it moves the leaves, and then that moves sunbeams, mm -hmm. and it was a uh, so if it was too sunny, I couldn't animate. If it was too windy, I couldn't animate. It was bad, <laughs> but worth it. <laughs> well, that's good. Going back to the Doctor Puppets, which one was the most challenging to create? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, uh, I don't know, but the one that was probably the most challenging is the one that I've never animated, just the 13th Doctor, because I felt a lot of pressure for her to look really good because, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I just wanted her to look great. And um, I wasn't planning to animate her. So uh, she was really kind of like a, she just needed to look really great in front of the camera and not move ever. So there was a pressure there and her costume was really hard. And I sewed that costume myself and there was wow. only one photo of it. And there was arguments about what the colors actually were. So I had to just guess everything and I guessed right. So that felt really good. Nice. Um, some of the more difficult ones previously were like the fourth doctor. His costume was so hard, but I did not make that. I handed that off to my friend Amanda, who's much better at sewing. So I couldn't have made that costume or it would have taken me so long. But um, yeah, like in terms of faces, I feel like Peter was really hard also. There was also a lot of pressure for him to, to look good. I feel like the last two puppets, 12 and 13, mm. um, I also made Bill and Nardole and they never got animated either. But honestly, those are my best puppets because they're the ones that I knew I was only going to make them to take like a photo to put on social media. So they had to look amazing because I couldn't <laughs> hide it behind animation. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> uh, but those are my best looking puppets. They're like the only ones that I have like in my portfolio on my website. <laughs> well, I, I do like that uh, Eleven has a wardrobe change. And it's kind of explained that uh, he gets it messy, his tweed messy in the uh, yeah. You caught that, bakery. yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there's like some running gags with Eleven's costume in Doctor Puppet because he was the puppet who was around for the longest, and he got real beat up and damaged oh, over time. And uh, I mean, the, he changed his costume on the show, and then we were. I can't remember how. I mean, that must have been. We must have been off by quite a bit when he changed his costume in Doctor Puppet. I can't remember, but. Um, he does, yeah, he gets um, he gets messy and that's what inspires the change. You see him coming out of a, a shop and yeah. in the shop window, you can see 12's costume. That was an mm -hmm. Easter egg. <laughs> and um, he also keeps losing hats. That's another gag throughout <laughs> Dr. Puppet is Eleven constantly loses his hat, which is also, you know, mm -hmm. something from the show. But we were able to put that into Dr. Puppet. And there's also a lot of birds in Dr. Puppet. He loses his hat via a bird at one point. <laughs> Um, he loses a top hat because a bird just snatches it Snatch off. It, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and do you have a favorite puppet that you made? I mean, I, I am really attached to, to 12. So even said just because he was the face of the show for the majority of us making Dr. Puppet, you know, yeah. 2014 through 2018, Peter was the face. So that was the puppet that I had with me um, whenever if I was going somewhere like to a convention because he was the current doctor, he was the one I brought. So that puppet has been all over the place. Like that puppet's been, I mean, and and Aaron went traveling once with him and brought him. That was the first time he went to, he went to England. He went to Wales with Aaron because she was going on vacation to the UK. He's been with me to, yeah, he went to VidCon. He's been to Gallifrey One. Nice. He, I brought him to France once. I went to <laughs> the Annecy Animation Festival and I brought- Wow. <laughs> Yeah, he went to Annecy. <laughs> Dang. 
I know. I also brought the fourth doctor. So we went to Paris and I, I shot some photos of the fourth doctor in front of some of the city of death locations. But yeah, I was, I was just going to say city of death. <laughs> yeah. And they're all like very close together. That's like the great thing with, with Doctor Who locations is they tend to be clustered because, you know, budget budget yeah. so yeah like you go to cardiff and it's all right there um, <laughs> um i was in cardiff just last month and uh, i brought the 13th doctor with me so that was wow. kind of nice because i hadn't brought a puppet with me on any trip in like a long time because i don't really do that anymore but i figured i had to bring because i was going to cardiff so i had to bring 13 with me because she'd never been so we got a couple photos um at torchwood <laughs> and um I don't think I even took any photos in front of the castle, but the castle is like they, they the castle has been in lots of Doctor Who, and it was used for a lot of the interiors for Heaven Sent, mm -hmm. um, uh, which is funny because when Erin went to the castle she, with the Twelfth Doctor puppet, she took a bunch of photos of the Twelfth Doctor inside of Cardiff Castle in some of the exact rooms <laughs> that ended up being in Heaven Sent, but she was there like two years earlier again because Doctor Puppet is very good at predicting the future of Doctor Who. Wow. And after the episode aired, Erin like sent me a photo and she's like, "Wasn't Peter just in that room in the episode that just aired?" <laughs> like, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> It's kind of like how Back to the Future predicted, yeah. or Back to the Future 2 predicted most yeah. of what we're going through now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I know. I, exactly. Ooh. Yeah, oh. but... <laughs> for, uh, for the stop motion nerds out there, were there any, was there anything that you improved upon making the puppets over time? Oh, yeah. you The hands. If you watched Dr. Puppet in order, you can see the hands get nicer over time. I, I was really bad at making hands in the beginning. Um, and you can see they're like so chunky. They look like baseball mitts. Like they're awful looking and they have giant weird palms. And by the end, they're like very, they're much smaller. And um, yeah, I don't know why I just, I think I, I wasn't very good at it. I, I would put like when I was putting the wires, because they're made of aluminum wire, and then they have kind of like a clay ball inside. And the clay ball, I would just make too big for the palm where I stuck all the fingers in. And I just kind of, you know, use that excuse, that good old excuse where I'm like, oh, it's just the style. But and I look back and I'm like, that looks terrible. That's no excuse. <laughs> Can um, you talk a little bit more about what everything's made out of? Yeah, they're, they're really simple puppets, I should say. They're like, um, uh, if, if anyone was interested in getting into stop motion puppets, this is the kind of puppet I would suggest people start with. So they're aluminum wire, um, like they kind of have a skeleton inside. They're a little more complicated in the sense that they're modular, so like they pull apart. So all of their limbs can come out and they have like a head, their head pops off of the neck. Um, and, uh, but you know, they don't have to be that way, but it's because we animate them so much when a limb breaks, you can just replace that broken wire because each wire lasts about one to two minutes of animation, but it's still a really easy way to, to start making puppets is with aluminum wire. And then you just, um, the heads are made of clay. They don't even have eyes that blink or anything. Like the eyes are just black and they're painted on. The, eye, the eyebrows are painted on. And uh, the only thing on the face that moves is the mouths and their stickers. So I have like a sheet with different expressions. There's like, you know, smiles and frowns and little O mouth and big grins and, and things like that. And then when they change expression, you just pop a different mouth on. They don't talk much. So, you know, that's all they need. And it just shows that if you're doing expressive animation, you don't need to add blinks or eyebrows necessarily. You can get away with a lot through the gestures of the puppet. So they're, they're really, really simple puppets. And they have, in the feet, they have just a, 
a tie down, which is how that's a little hard to explain, but it's like the easiest way to get them to attach the set. Like literally there's just a screw that goes under the set and then it goes up into their foot. And I animated the whole thing on big blocks of foam. So I just would poke a stick through the foam and that's how you get the hole to come up through the bottom of the set and you tie them in place and that's how they stand. So that oh. they stay in place when you're animating them, they're just tied to the set, literally. And, uh, and they're just, yeah, really, really simple. If you wanted to get into making stop motion puppets i would just search um aluminum wire stop motion puppet and they're the simplest thing you, there's no ball and socket here this is not nightmare for christmas like they're not complicated and there's no replacement heads um and you know i just sew the clothes and just dress them like you would a barbie doll and honestly the the horror film that i made last year i used barbie clothing for that puppet so that was <laughs> the first time i ever just said you know what i'm gonna make my puppet in barbie scale so i can buy barbie clothes so i also kind of recommend that like good i place heard to barbie start. was falling on hard times and that's she, she was like hocking out her exactly right now her wardrobe and she had such a big one so it's it's true you can get a really good deal and uh and ken ken doll clothes if you want to doctor puppets were just a little too small to wear barbie clothes um unfortunately so i had to make everything custom which is a real pain in the butt so yeah that's that's where i would recommend you start <laughs> that's a good point though like uh if you went before you start making your puppets if you're going to do something figure out if you can buy the clothing first like, like mm -hmm. what you're going to use and then choose the size of, and then you know make the puppets fit the clothes Exactly. Or make the clothes out of something like felt so you don't even have to hem it or anything like felt mm. is really great. Um, I recommend that as well because sewing is, is hard, but mm -hmm. uh, I'm sewing a, a costume for a puppet right now. And I'm just like, uh, <laughs> I tried to do Barbie clothes for this one, but it just didn't work. Like, so I have to custom make everything and it just takes forever. But, you know, yeah, no, no regrets. Felt? No, because <laughs> no, I'm doing uh, like hemming and all that good stuff. <laughs> what is the cloth you're using? um it's just like knit fabric because the character looks like he's wearing a little sweater so i have little mm -hmm. like knit knit fabrics i need a little sweater and then i have a puppet that's wearing jeans but you can't really use denim so it's chambray that's another mm. you know you have to get chambray to make puppet denim it's it's a whole thing <laughs> yeah. what are other what are some other tricks for scaling down life oh it's so hard uh tricks i mean we we had i mean sourcing fabric to make like the doctor puppet costumes was so difficult and a lot of that fell on my friend amanda who is this is more of like her world she's very into historical costumes and she's very knowledgeable of fabric and she knows how to navigate a fabric store better than me so she really took on like she would happily wanted to make some of the costumes for doctor puppet and one of the things was just sourcing fabric where it looked like the fabric on, that the character's wearing, but is scaled down. And she had uh, some really good luck in a few things. Like I remember her being so happy that she found this fabric that looked a lot like um, the second doctor's trousers, but small, like she just found that and it worked really well. But a couple of times she couldn't find anything. It was so specific. And then she had to, you know, she had to make it. Um, so the hardest one was probably the sixth doctor. Like basically- Oh yeah. I mean, his coat, <laughs> that was made of felt. So I don't know what his actual coat is, you know, something very heavy or like a corduroy, but she made mm -hmm. it out of red felt. And then she basically had to paint every patch. Um, but that worked on the felt, it looked pretty good. And then he has yellow pants with black pinstripes and she mm -hmm. just had to make that. So she just had to take a ru ruler and like a micron pen and mm. make the fabric for the pants. So that that was all on her to, to source that stuff. And I am a little bit lazier 
when I am sourcing stuff, I tend to not go to the fabric stores. Like I just don't know how to navigate their world as well. So I'm a big fan of going to the thrift store and I just buy clothes. You know, I don't need a lot of the fabric. So I'll just go to the store and I'll just buy something. And I was really proud of myself because I sourced the fabric to make the 10th doctor's um, suit. suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found brown, I think it was a pair of trousers, brown trousers with blue pinstripe that were the right scale. Wow. And I was like, what are the chances? <laughs> yeah, so, seriously. You know, but, you know, that would have, that, you know, maybe wouldn't have been able to have found that in a fabric store, but I found it in a thrift store. So there you go. Man, yeah, that's awesome. So fabric mm-hmm. stores, thrift stores. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're making puppet clothes, I mean, what do you need? Like, you don't need very much. So yeah, that's and it's cheaper and it's better for the environment. So that's my advice. Yeah. <laughs> and it gives things new life, which is what kind of what Doctor Who is about. It, <laughs> Regeneration. Exactly. It regenerates exactly. Uh, an old. I regenerate old clothing. trousers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Well, you may have answered this already, but what, what, um, is there anything that any problem you came across that you ended up coming up with some real inventive solution that you're, that was a big surprise? Ooh, oh, there's probably so many examples of that, Dr. Puppet. Or um, if, does anything stand out? You know, like, like I never would have thought we would have ended up doing this, but this I happened. Mean, and I mean, honestly, kind of like, uh, you know, rewriting the ending of the whole thing was like that because. The ending of Doctor Puppet was very much tied to the fiftieth, and and you can actually on the Doctor Who channel, I wrote up the original ending as like a storybook, and Scott read it, and then so you can listen to Scott <laughs> read the ending, yeah. and it's it's cute. It's like a party. So that was the whole idea. Is what a time to the fiftieth, where it was like, oh, there was no malicious plot. It just turns out the Doctor had to invite him. He had to come up with a clever way to invite himself to a surprise party by making it look like an evil plan, because it was the only way he could convince himself to do something was if it looked evil um i don't know it's a little bit lame but it kind of did that sort of yeah but oh no no but but yeah so we the you know it worked out that we had to once we had gotten away from the 50th anniversary having the finale be a party made no sense (laughs) so (laughs) we were like we have to we it forced us to be more creative and i like the ending we came up with better so that there was um malice in the dr puppet ending but there's still never a bad guy it was Mm -hmm. just you know the 12th doctor got himself into trouble and he was put on the spot and he had to call for help and it just you know from his end he was calling for help from everyone else's end it looked like an evil plot yeah I, I did like that at the end, and they all stepped Thanks. into the uh, the beam of light. It, it had to line up because it yeah. was a it was it, it wasn't um, a job for one person. It was a job for twelve people. 12, yep. <laughs> it, yeah, which is we loved it, but we always joked that it still fit like that like preschool logic, and it felt like something from Umizoomi, where it was just like we need twelve people to line up, <laughs> one, two, but it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I can never shake making preschool television out of my life. Never. (laughs) If it doesn't, it's going to resonate with everybody at some level. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, at the preschool level. Yeah. (laughs) Or we remember what we were like at the preschool level. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. I mean, Dr. Puppet has been, lots of people have said it's like an introduction to kids for Doctor Who. And I love that. Like, that's Mm -hmm. not bad at all. But um, I mean, that would have been really great if if BBC said it'd be cool if we made like Doctor Who for like, you know, for kids. Like, I mean, it is for kids, it, but, like, but, but like really yeah. 
really young kids like we make kind of these standalone sweet little episodes and maybe one day yeah i feel like that is an untapped market because we have like so many other franchises that do shorts like star wars has a bunch of them exactly exactly i know we were ahead of the curve but <laughs> maybe maybe they'll come back to us who knows maybe this new leadership you know who knows yeah <laughs> who knows <laughs> who knows exactly <laughs> So in, in our show, we like to discuss uh, introductory episodes that you could uh, indoctrinate a new viewer. So is there any episode that you would use to introduce somebody to Doctor Who or have you used an episode to do that? Yeah, whenever whenever um, this question comes up, I think the perfect episode is the 11th hour because um, it's such a good way to jump into the show. And uh, I think the Matt Smith like his first season is like uh, it's my favorite season overall doesn't have my favorite episode but i think it's the most solid overall season and i think the 11th hour is so on point and sweet and it's a you know you can go in blind so that is my absolute favorite one and the one i always tell people to start with nice that that is a good one um what about dr puppet if, if no one's seen it before which mm. one should they start with it's a good question uh, I, don't, I don't. I don't think I've ever been asked that one, because I mean there isn't as much Doctor Puppet, so I, there's no excuse not to watch all of it. It takes like an hour. Um, <laughs> okay, but what if someone said, "Well, I got five minutes. Which one should I watch?" If you have five minutes, then you should watch the Planet that Came for Christmas because it's standalone. Like I said, it's my favorite one. It has Scott's best music in it and it's spooky and it's a Christmas episode, so it's got everything I love in it, and it has uh, some of the best. Um, animation and all of Doctor Puppet. A lot of it was done by Aaron, who I mentioned, who was the one who was like tapping into Peter Capaldi's psyche. So there's all kinds of crazy stuff where he does like Nosferatu, like, you know, he, he, he does like the Nosferatu silhouette. And like this Aaron was like pulling this out of, you know, this was way before 12 was being a spooky doctor and she knew that he had it in him. Um, so that's the best one, absolutely. The, the rest of them are fine, but that's my favorite. Nice. <laughs> Well, to wrap it up, do you have, uh, where can we find you on social media? Anything you want to plug? Ooh, I mean, I'm on most of the social media still under Dr. Puppet. Like if you can find me on Twitter as the Dr. Puppet, Instagram as Dr. Puppet. And there's a pretty dead Dr. Puppet Facebook. Um, and of course the dead Dr. Puppet YouTube, but all the content is still there. And uh, you can still watch Dr. Puppet there on Facebook. There's like hundreds of old photos of the puppets going around New York City and different places, super fun. And my Instagram, my Twitter, um, I just took them over as my personal accounts because they had a lot of followers. So, <laughs> and now you can watch me mostly complain about how poorly <laughs> treated the animation industry is and <laughs> occasionally a Doctor Who hot take, but honestly, it's mostly animation these days and film festival news as I promote my new horror films, which is fun. Nice. Did you mention that you have like a, uh, just a website website? I think you mentioned that earlier. I do, yeah. My, my, my personal website is alisastern.com if you want to go look at my motion graphics. And there's some Doctor Puppet stuff on there too, but it's kind of the professional side. Mm. And does Dr. Puppet have a website that's not a social media? No, it's it's YouTube okay. is still its landing page. You can watch all the episodes there. They're yeah. divided into nice little handy playlists, which make it easy because the yeah, first episode it's... still lives on Nerdist, which is confusing. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. That makes sense though. Is the first episode on YouTube as well? It is, but it's on the Nerdist YouTube channel, which confuses people. Oh, okay. <laughs> very good, very good. Yes, but it's all there. 
It's all there. And there's also commentary versions. Like in 2018, uh, 2019, uh, me and, and all the other people who worked on Dr. Puppet recorded commentary of all the different episodes as a little like fun nice. thing to re-release them. And yeah, yeah, and the final thing was the, the alternate ending. So we, you know, I don't know if we're ever going to put any content on that channel again, but it's always going to be archived. I'll say a special thanks to Rebecca for making this happen and to introducing us to Alisa and making this possible. And who knew that Rebecca would, and we would be talking about Doctor Who nine years after the 50th. <laughs> so thanks for listening. Stay safe, everyone. And we will see you next time when the future becomes the present. You've just listened to an episode of Who Knew. Our wonderful theme music is by Michael Grady. Find him on Facebook at The Universe Explodes. Additional music is by Damio Paggio. All our episodes are engineered by Auburn. You can find him at auburnbakley.com. You can find the show in several places. Follow us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcast. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Who Knew Podcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. Visit our Facebook page. Please leave comments, reviews, and click like to support Who Knew Podcast. To listen to our show on your Amazon Echo device, subscribe to us on Amazon Music, and then ask your Amazon device to play your podcast subscriptions. This podcast is inspired by Doctor Who. The longest running sci-fi show in history. And especially the revival spearheaded by Russell T. Davis. Thanks to Russell, Sidney Newman, Verity Lambert, Ron Grainer, and all of those involved in the adventures of our favorite Time Lord. Your work continues to inspire and entertain.